Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim on the TMASTL podcast network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, sitting across from me, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle, Sauce Boss. Jackson, tell me about yourself. Well, age, sex, location. 23, male, cisgendered, nice. um, currently residing in Brentwood, up to no good, No, but moving out soon. Are you really? Yeah. Yep, my, my lease ends at the end of March. Lake St. Louis. No, no. Wrong direction. I'll be going east. Wow. I'll tell you what. Most of the people who listen to this are west of Brentwood, and they're going to feel like, I'm west of Brentwood. Why yeah. Do you, why do you hate Kirkwood? Wow. Yeah. You're south of Brentwood, too. So. Southwest, baby. Southwest, yeah. baby. Yeah, I'll be moving eastbound and quickly at that point. Uh, I'm looking at the hill. Looking at a nice spot in the hill, right? Like a block away from Canetto's. Oh, that's a nice play. Yeah. Yeah. I was down there this uh, weekend. Um, my dad picked up some Zias and brought it to me. Strong. Super strong. So I was down in the Hill region earlier that day after the St. Louis University Billikens defeated the Flyers from Dayton. And that made you happy. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of that game's always packed because I feel like a lot of the, a lot of kids who went to Catholic school in St. Louis. Go to Dayton, Miami of Ohio, that kind of region. I looked at them. Yeah, I looked at them. So there's, it's like a lot of people from St. Louis might be rooting for Dayton uh, in this game. And it was packed house. Saw the Plowboy there. The Plowhawk was there. Yep, we hung out for a little bit, uh, and it was great. Saw Jordan Jack get kicked out of the game. Nice. Yep. Nice, nice. That was the second time I've seen Jordan Jet in the stands. The last time was the last ga- Dayton game I went to, January of 2020. I saw him in the men's room. What did you say to him? I didn't say anything. I just said, oh, I said to myself, hey, this Jordan Jet. And a couple gentlemen wanted to shake his hand in the bathroom, and he said, sorry, fellas, I don't shake hands. Did he really? Did he really? He was like, nah. He was like, nah, I'm not going to shake your hands right here. Let me just wash his hands. Those guys probably had, you know, brine. 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 They brine their own hands. So he wasn't going to mess with that. And who could blame him? Great guy, though. Yeah. Uh, great people. Fun era in Billiken basketball. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're about to go out on a run here and give us a little something for maybe. Uh, for the NCAA tournament. We are grateful to uh, all of our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Munganess, St. Louis Acura.com, Alton Toyota. Dot com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. And the great Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. We had some precipitation. We had some cold this weekend. Looking at the forecast as we speak, looks like we might be getting away from that for a little while, which is wonderful. Maybe we're done with it for the winter. I don't know. But I do know if you ever do run into some problems with your furnace, make sure you go to designairservice.com and work with Seth Goldcamp, and you'll be very happy you did. Click on the Book Now tab in the upper right-hand corner, and you're working with the best. We are clients of Design Air Heating and Cooling on the Ryan Kelly Morning After and on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, and we recommend you become one as well. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. It's Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Our studio sponsor here on the podcast is Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com team. Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com team, who I refinance with and who I got pre-approved with and who I recommend you do the exact same with. Interest rates are going up. It's happening. It is happening. So if you're thinking, maybe I should refinance, you better do it now. This is the time to do it. Do it now before they go up. 
and take advantage of the opportunity the Home Loan Expert team can present you to save money on your monthly payment. And if you are thinking about buying a home in 2022, make sure you get pre-approved. It is so easy to do. I did it last year with the HomeLoanExpert.com team, and therefore I know that it is something that you regret doing. Go to the HomeLoanExpert.com, click on pre-approval, and begin the process, a process that you will be grateful you did because the home buying process is going to be competitive this year. It's the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, you are always welcome to participate in this podcast by emailing in questions, tmckernan at insidestl.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at insidestl.com. Hey, boys, did you hear the third worst team in the SEC won a basketball game? But don't worry, we won't talk about how St. Louis University beat Dayton in front of a packed house or how they have the best or how they have the best point card in the country. What what just happened there, Jackson? You sit on a Sibian? Yuri Collins. I love Yuri Collins, but best point guard in the country. He's the best point guard in the country. Okay. Sounds like you don't agree with that take. I don't, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Or maybe you did, did, but I couldn't hear it over plow dogs, email alerts, and Iggy's COPD-riddled lungs constantly <laughs> exhaling into the mic. We missed last week's drop, so here's some drops from two weeks ago. <laughs> what is this, email today? <laughs> Anyways, how about some half-baked takes on TV shows we like? Great stuff, boys. Can't believe you weren't in the national rankings this month. That's from Portnoy's Dog Collar. He was active in the YouTube chat, not yeah. happy that we didn't spend time on the Billiken's win on TMA. He's uh, bringing it over to QFTA. We did talk about it on Balloon Party, right? but he wanted to hear about it on TMA. And I'm sure it would have been incredibly insightful had we discussed it, as, of course, we are a sports talk show. Yeah. Um, we talked Billikens on Balloon Party. Yeah, we didn't talk any sports, really. So I don't think we did. We talked did we? a little bit about how much the Pro Bowl sucks. And uh, Iggy said Peyton Manning threw 20 interceptions a game. Yep, that was a problem. So that was about the sports we talked. Yuri Collins isn't the best point guard in the country. Wow. Yuri Collins would tell you that himself. Ty Ty Washington of Kentucky might also have a thought on it amongst probably 25 other people. But, I mean, I love watching SLU. I, I root for them. I hope they do well. It's not like they play Mizzou like Illinois plays Mizzou. So I really have – there's no conflict of interest there. They don't play a lot of, you know, Power 5 conference teams from the, mar- from the months of January till the tournament. So I love St. Louis U, and I hope they do well. I like Coach Ford. I love all the players. They're great. They're – Chaffetz is such a great venue to watch a basketball game. So I wish nothing but slew the best. But, yeah, keep making fun of, like, because we talked Missouri for 25 seconds. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even want to spend 25 seconds on that, to yeah, be honest with I mean, you. And they, I think it was Missouri won, and then Plowhawk goes, oh, they did? And then that was it. That was the extent was of ours. I didn't, I didn't even say anything. So if that's got, that's got to tell you something. Whatever. Um, do you hear Iggy breathe? I don't hear yeah. Iggy breathe. You do? Mm-hmm. Well, what are we going to do? Let's do something about it. Well, You just shrugged your shoulders. That makes me well, want to jump across this council and just start yeah, hammering the well. siding you. <laughs> well, the problem is people were complaining that you couldn't hear Iggy uh-huh. the first couple of weeks, so they, they heated up his mic a little bit, so it yeah. comes out a bit hotter. And so with that, you might— See, you know, I don't hear it, and Doug doesn't hear it. Yeah, I, it's the nose. I hear it through the nose. He's not a mouth breather, which is a great sign, but it's a... So you hear his nose. It's that Well, right that's there. not good. It's not a good listening experience. I, yeah, it's not. I, I suggested mic foam. I suggested mic foam. I think that I'm might looking be... Looking at his mic, he, I have the he's got microphone condom. Doug has the microphone condom. Iggy has the microphone condom. Yeah, but foam, like what we had at KFNS, might be what we need to do. I don't know. All right. You might need to talk across the mic like I'm doing right now or you're doing... Doug usually he talks, talks over into it. it. He, yeah, it's uh, like a trombone. Um, so I don't know. I, but I do. I don't know a hundred percent if it's Iggy. It's not like I can like. It doesn't like pop up on my little board that Mike two or three, whatever which one Iggy's is, is like hearing that. But I do. Well, hear the it. slurping is the that I hear tell too because Doug and I are not drinking no. coffee like no. he is. The slurping I can hear for sure. The nose whistle thing I can kind of hear. Uh, it goes in and out, but sometimes I hear it, and it, it makes me laugh. Uh, Deebs is in. Yes. Deebs is in. 
Uh, Tim, saw something on the third round of the AT&T Pebby Beach Pro-Am. Jordy Spieth's playing partner on 18, the amateur bro, Jake something, missed like a two-footer. In a gesture of frustration or comedy or something, he chucked his ball into the ocean. Announcers actually laughed because it's posse fucked up the throw and missed the largest body of water on earth. Everyone laughed and cheered him on. Imagine a spectator walking down hole 18 with his group and chucking like a plastic solo cup into the Pacific because his cocktail was too shitty or empty or something. Gets you thinking, why the double standard? Both are throwing petroleum-based plastics into the ocean, which might murder baby sea turtles or porpoises or seagulls. All cute animals. One move is celebrated as hilarious and awesome entertainment. The other guy who paid $200 for a ticket and $15 for a shitty cocktail is a villain and will probably be banned from the Monterey Peninsula for life. Cognitive dissonance. Thanks, Deebs. Hmm. So provocative. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it is thought-provoking question. I could say the same thing, though, if I walked into Madison Square Garden wearing tights, shorts, and a cutoff t-shirt that I would look ridiculous, but NBA players walk in there and that's their standard dress. So there is a double standard for both attire and conduct when at a sporting event. Uh, so you are taking the other side of Deebs. Unfortunately, yeah, I think that— It's not uh, a place you want to be. I think players reserve a few more rights to do some things than, than say, a, a spectator. But you could also hit a golf ball into the ocean, and you're not going to be called someone who's littering. You're, do, you're intentionally throwing the cup in there. And I get he intentionally threw the ball in there, but come on. <laughs> I, was, I was watching Spieth hit that shot when he was over the cliff. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself— how is he going to do this? Because you're supposed to, when you're hitting an iron, yeah. theoretically, the proper way to hit it is to have your weight on your front foot. Right, at the finish. Yeah. yeah, to compress the ball. Absolutely. And if he just, I mean, that's a 70-foot drop there. Oh, yeah, that that would be the end of him. So it's a, yeah, you kind of have to I, do, It makes my palms start to sweat when, oh, I, yeah. when I think about that replay. Right, and I don't like heights, so that's already. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, I don't like being, if I'm up on like a high balcony, don't touch me. I don't like to be touched when I'm that high. Um, you kind of have to do a reverse pivot once you, as soon as you make contact, you got to really start to shift your weight back. Otherwise, you know, a bad follow-through could get you. One way ticket. I'm not. Whoa. I'm not looking for. Whoa. That. Yeah, that's a juice worth a squeeze. Question. Like, can I take an unplayable here? Can I just hop out of this hole? Tough call. It's a tough call. Uh, let's see. Well, we are loaded up with questions. Loaded up. Loaded up, guy. Mm. Uh, before I go to another question, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, three one four nine six one forty eight hundred to go online at Carlton Insurance. .net. He is my insurance agent. I like him to become your insurance agent as well. I think you'll be very happy if he becomes your insurance agent. He's online at carltoninsurance.net, and he's right here in the St. Louis area in Webster Groves with a full-on staff, and you are working with the best. I made the switch to James Carlton, not because he was an advertiser. He was advertising before I made the switch. I just started to get to know him, and then I worked with him one time in an emergency situation. I was like, I owe it to my family to put my family with the best, and that's what I did. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Work with the best. Work with James Carlton. Hey, Tim, I wanted to get your thoughts on baseball's current lockout and how it compares to 1994. I was only two years old during that lockout, and all I ever heard about, it came from my dad growing up. He said that it nearly killed the game of baseball, only to be resurrected by McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds. What I have been curious about is what were the issues they fought over, and are they the same thing they're fighting over today? If not, how do they compare against what the issues are today? And most importantly, did the casual baseball fan actually care that the lockout was happening in 1994? Baseball has always been my favorite sport, and I find myself disinterested in the negotiations and actually disengaged by some of the topics that seem like easy fixes but are the biggest points of contention, service time manipulation heading that list. This may be a function of an extended football season. Maybe people will start to care once actual events like spring training get delayed or canceled. But overall, I feel less and less interest for myself and for my friends, and that concerns me as the league enters dangerous territory of potentially canceled regular season games. Really looking forward to your discussion on this. I'm so happy for you guys and your new situation. And I'm a first-time 101 ESPN listener now that you and Jackson are over there. P.S. Jackson, your dad was my principal in middle school, and it's pretty surreal to hear Mr. Burkett's son on my favorite radio presentation, but you are nailing it. 
And I don't know if uh, he wants me to read his name. It doesn't say it, but you can see the email. And His name's Alex. I'll say that. I don't think I'm giving any away. I'm not giving the last name. So on the baseball thing, in 1994, it was a big deal. In 2022, I don't sense it's a big deal right now, but as Alex stated, um, I think in part it's because people have been enamored by the football season and the playoffs have been so good. And I think for people, psychologically, subconsciously perhaps, they don't start thinking of baseball season until the football season is over. And football extending with the 17-game schedule this year and therefore 18 weeks of the regular season with the bye week and the playoff season extended and then the playoffs being as good as they've been, I think have distracted people from the baseball situation. And by that I mean distracting them not from caring, but distracting them from becoming aware that they don't care. Mm. Now, I know that might sound really fucking weird, But I think what you're going to discover here, assuming that there is not an agreement between now and the end of the Super Bowl, which I would be shocked by, but it would be great if it happened, is that once the Super Bowl is over and then you have the parade and you have whatever big story is and people, you know, talking about commercials and, you know, Dre and Snoop Dogg and K-Dot and Mary J. Blige. Am I missing anybody? Marshall Mathers? Yeah. Uh, That... Maybe a week from tomorrow, we're recording this on Monday, February seventh. People will go, "What's going on with baseball?" You know, so we literally the fifteenth of of February would be when it when it would pop up. And go, yeah. And then people might go, "God, I kind of just realized I don't really give a shit." Now, I don't know if around the country, the average fan base really cares about spring training like we talk about it in St. Louis. Mm. Um, I'm sure some do, and I'm sure the people in Florida do because that is a source of revenue for right. those areas, and I'm sure the people in Arizona do because it's a source of revenue for their those areas. But with regards to the average fan base, most cities have an NBA team and or an NHL team which is going to get as much, if not greater, interest than Major League Baseball spring training. St. Louis certainly has an absolute passion for the Blues, but St. Louis and spring training is a tradition that goes back before that I think the Blues passion that is uh, certainly there, but it wasn't there, you know, let's say 20 years ago, for example. I mean, it was was passionate, but I think it's at another level now. And so spring training was always kind of this huge thing in St. Louis. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, like if you're a Rangers fan. You know, I don't think people are calling into Dallas Sports Talk Radio complaining about the Rangers. They're talking about the Cowboys, you know, losing to the 49ers. They're talking about the Mavericks. They might be talking about the Stars. Uh, You know, who knows? My point being, I don't think it's necessarily something that owns the sports cycle like it does in St. Louis for most markets. Not every market, most markets. So with that all said... I think, and this is the thing, this is this, this has been my perspective on it for a while, that baseball is walking the line. And it's not a line of anger like we saw in 1994. And then the season did start late in 1995. It's a line of people not giving a shit. And that's the thing that if I were in baseball, I'd be really concerned by. I am a sports caster because of baseball. And I honestly don't care. I don't care. I think I would care, Jackson, if they changed the game to bring it back to what it was in the 1980s. But I know that's not going to happen. So it's 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 a ridiculous. But that's what that's what engaged me. I am. I'm just. Let me put it this way. I don't even remember what the final score was of the Cardinals and Dodgers. Three to one. Was it three to one? Uh huh. Okay. Cardinals and Dodgers. One game playoff. So help me. And that game ended late. Oh, yeah. Because we did a post-game show. Post-game show, show yeah. It was a four-run game. Ended on a two-run homer by Chris Taylor. Yep. And it drug on, and I'm watching the Cardinals fighting for their lives, a chance to go to the NLDS, and I was just like, I'm kind of bored by this. How am I bored by this? How did this happen? How did it get to a point where I'm kind of bored by this? Right. But that's where I was. And it's not a case of I am Doug and I are in different uh, worldviews when it comes to baseball and I think sports as a whole. 
I actually like I liked the Rams 11-5 win over the Buccaneers. I liked the Cardinals and Diamondbacks when they played a series in 2001 where they felt like the games were one nothing or 2 to 1 in the NLDS. I like that every pitch you feel like matters. Well, theoretically, a 1-1 game with a, a Game 7 situation, you win or go home, would be perfect. And yet I was bored by it. Right. I don't know what to attribute it all to. I've offered the theory before that our brains at this point are programmed for instant gratification, constant shots of dopamine, and baseball doesn't lend itself to that. That is my theory on it. I think baseball is in a spot where it is on the verge of teetering on the brink. And I know that sounds, and I'm not, listen, I don't want it to be that way at all. But I feel like the biggest thing that I take away from this work stoppage is how nobody fucking cares. Right. That's the thing that stuns me. Nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Now, if if I still am saying that nobody fucking cares in two weeks, then we got a really big situation. But you got you're still in this spot. Usually at this time of year, the Super Bowl's already been played, and people are going to get ready to go down to spring training. Get ready to go down to spring training. I mean, it's it's like it's not even being talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I equate it to. There's about because I, I look for links. There's about one story on any sports website about every day about MLB lockout. If the NFL was locked out, I bet there would be three or four stories a day oh, about it. It'd be everything. And and I'm curious to see how that. And I'm sure it will just based on not much going on. But once the Super Bowl is over, how much more news coverage the lockout's going to get? And I'd have to think with no football and closer and closer getting to not only spring training but the regular season that you'll see a lot more news coverage, which will bring people. But if I'm with you, if people still don't give a shit after football's done and as we're getting closer and closer to real live season of baseball – it's in a situation where it's like it's almost like proving what everyone's thought, which is that no one cares about baseball. See, and I, I want to say that because that's an easily, what do you mean no one cares right. about it? I don't want to say that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a decreasing interest in the game. People are going, I guess I'll watch it, but I'm just not. It's some For some reason, I'm not as into it as I was. And it's not, I mean, hell, you know, we, we talked about on Balloon Party why has there been a decrease? If you agree with the premise that there's been a decrease in interest in college basketball, why has that been the case over the last 10 years? And a lot of the theory is the one-and-done thing. And then some people locally, oh, it's because Missouri and St. Louis U and Illinois really haven't been what they were in the 90s or 2000s relative to Missouri at least getting in the tournament and making a few runs here and there. You know, in 2012, they were a two-seed before the Norfolk State debacle. And I understand that. Fine. If you wanted to use that as a theory, it's a welcomed theory. Well, the Cardinals over the last decade have been in the playoffs, you know, or at the very least in the mix in the final week of the regular season every single year. So that can't be, if we're going to look at it from a St. Louis-centric perspective, that can't be the case. So I don't know the reason. I just know that I see it going on, especially with young people. To me, if you're an entrepreneur, this has nothing to do with baseball, but it's kind of it'll get you it'll get me back on the track of where I'm going with this baseball thing. A way to have an edge on developing businesses is to pay attention to what 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds are doing, talking about playing, whatever the case might be. That's the edge. You could if that's the case, you would have caught it with soccer before soccer became what it's become with kids right, wearing America. EPL exactly yeah, yeah. jerseys yes not now of course globally but so that and I, I was playing I may have told the story before if I have I have um, uh, golf with a guy right around this time last year uh, sports executive in in Jupiter and he was saying the only reason we really got hip to the soccer thing is my kids I just was aware my kids were so into it yeah. and that's how we got into it that's how we became aware that this is and I started paying attention and I noticed and then we got into it and then it became a thing so along those lines are kids around the country clamoring for baseball. And the answer is no. And so that is an issue. What about the NFL? Yes. What about the NBA? Yes. I think the NFL's issue could be health. Yeah. That's that's the issue for the NFL and kids playing it. Right. But the NBA um if anything, is is growing yeah. at a rapid rate. Absolutely. And especially with young people, and baseball is not in that category. And I just think people realize during the pandemic, it's like, oh, I can kind of live without this, and I don't mind spending every night watching this slow-paced game. 
So when you ask what I would like to see, I would love to see it go back to the 1980s style of baseball. I would love that. Oh, my God, I would get so engaged in it. I really would. But I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Is there anything that could get you going, Jackson? No, because my baseball thing is kind of just it's so a part of my life because my dad watches every single game, and I've been to spring training before, and it's just part of my life. So I'll always be in the forefront of my mind. I don't watch every pitch, but it's almost always on in the background. So that's kind of how I am. But I don't think it'll ever be – I don't think myself, I don't think I can ever get back to – how I lived and died with the team, like in 06 and 2011. Yeah. I don't think I can ever, and that's partly just growing up, um, but also just, I, I don't know, I just, the when I, like when you're a kid, it's like you, all I knew was Albert Pujols was on the Cardinals, and the Cardinals were this great team, and, you know, they won a World Series right when I started watching sports, so it's like I instantly got hit with, like, this is the pinnacle of baseball for me. And so I don't think I can ever get back there, but I'll always pay attention and love the game. I love going to games, but they're just, it's like you said, they're, the, the game of baseball, the pace of baseball, the way the big plays happen are not in vogue. They're not. Well, watching a home run is cool, but it's not as cool as watching a touchdown. It's not as cool as watching an alley-oop dunk. I just, I, I think that we as a, as a, as a, as a culture are much more into the, quick, fast-paced games of... Which is why I think the stolen base would bring people yeah. back in. Small ball would absolutely you be... Know? But, would be. But it's totally counter to the, like, oh, the home run brought the game back in the 1990s with McGuire and Sosa. I'm like, it did, but it was so... But it had a shelf life, it, and that yeah, shelf life expired. It's interleague play. It's like, oh, that's so great. And then it's like, okay, what do you think it's going to be five years from now? You're going to be tired of seeing the Twins and the Tigers. You're going right. to see them all the time. It won't be a big deal. The novelty wears off. That, to me, I, I know it's not going to happen. And, and small ball was a byproduct of the ballparks and the AstroTurf. But I would just love to see that brought back. I, and I mean, by bringing it back, I mean, if teams could do it, they certainly would do it. But right now, like it's not worth losing the base runner right. at second base, so right. we're not going to do the it. The pictures have gotten so good at, yeah. at preventing the stolen base. But that is what I grew up on. I realize it's it's outdated, and it's like, you know, but but that is, it's just so static. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. static. And it's slow, yeah. and I'm just I, I I want to see it change. They first need to tend to the economic issues, but but from my standpoint, I, I worry they're going to mess with things that don't need to be necessarily messed with, thinking it's going to fix it, that they won't fix it, and the thing will continue to right. uh, sputter. Let me see what else I got here. Man, I got a bunch of them this week. Uh, you can always send yours in, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Tim. Just PLTD balloon party from February 1st when you discuss multiple efforts of bringing the NFL to St. Louis in the 80s and 90s. I had never heard you discuss these interviews in detail as I am a newer listener of the last four or five years, but looking forward to going back and listening to those. For those of you who did not hear Balloon Party on 101 ESPN, we were talking about my interviews on the podcast with Gene McNary and with uh, Vince Shamel. Gene McNary was the county executive at the time, Vince Shamel, the mayor of the city of St. Louis. And you can go back and listen to those right now. They're up on the Tim McCurnan Show podcast. While we wait for the much-anticipated 30 for 30, could you do your version of Swope's Picks on the NFL in St. Louis in podcast form? Swope's Picks on the Rams is amazing, but it is pulled audio from multiple years of TMA. Instead, a podcast where you chronologically detail your interviews, experiences, not only from times like going to see Mayor Butts, but your interviews with people in power close to the subject matter that you mentioned yesterday on Balloon Party. Uh, bring it all the way up to the re- recent settlement, and if you can, share as much detail as you can on the conversations you had around that. Uh, would you ever want to see uh, or interview Bob Blitz? Media's role in it all. Future possibility at NFL in St. Louis, if we have one. I remember QFTA asking you if you would ever produce a 30 for 30 like story on this topic. This would essentially be a mini word vomit version of that from the early efforts of getting a team back post Cardinals to present day. Thanks. That's from Dogtown Ty. Well, there's a lot in there, Jackson. Yeah, very dense email from Dogtown. It was Ty. dense. It's a nice way to describe it. There's a lot. There wasn't any wasted sentence. No, which I like. Yeah. Uh, the 30 for 30. I, I don't anticipate doing a 30 for 30. So if you're anticipating it, uh, you know you're going to be waiting. I still think that it would be a great, incredible 30 for 30. 
but it's, you know, my, my whole point on hashtagging things 30 through 30 is there is a story for here. Right. I don't think like I'm sitting here as a producer in St. Louis, you know, that they're going to tap on the shoulder and say, hey, can you do this thing where you discuss how corrupt the league is that we're in bed with on our network? <laughs> yeah. Maybe but, a six for six. Yeah. So it would be a six for six on Inside STL. <laughs> um, and honestly, yeah, I mean, if, 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 the honest answer is um, that's that's a lot of work, and there would need to be a reason to do it financially. <laughs> I, mean, I hate that. I know people don't like to hear that, but I have to be honest. No, do some pro bono documentary work. But I appreciate people wanting to hear the stories. I do yeah. feel like I've had, um, you know, I, with my interview with the mayors of San Diego, uh, Carson, uh, the scheduled interview with Mayor Butts in Inglewood. Uh, the conversations I had with Kevin Demoff. I feel like I'm leaving a bunch of stuff off. I was emailing with Carmen Policy. There's a random one. I don't know if I've ever talked about that one before because he was involved in the Carson effort. Um, all kinds of different things going on. I have a pretty good uh, library of, of stories on it. Um, I've told, you know, damn near every single story um, about it, and I'm happy to share more if anybody wanted to hear specific stories the point be here here is here is the bottom line on it all here's the bot here is what i think the grand solution would have been i don't know how you could accomplish it but the solution on it would have been to me cuz the way they went about it jackson mm. this is the core issue the core issue is not st louis st louis's hatred towards stan Kroenke in a sense, is misguided. And by that, I mean the following. Stan Kroenke was in a position to leave. And Stan Kroenke now has a franchise that he has, what, two and a half X, three X its value by going there. Yeah, It was a business move. And Stan Kroenke got to go there because St. Louis put in a contract with the Rams a clause that it shouldn't have put in there. I mean, these, these statements can't say they're factual because you can't say a should is a fact, but I can't imagine too many people would agree with the top-tier clause. Right. It puts you in a really precarious position. So with that all said, I, I th- and I think, I think that the casual fan and maybe even the passionate fan takes it as Stan Kroenke thinks St. Louis sucks and that's why he left, and those two things are not necessarily accurate. And then you can go, well, what about a statement out the door? And that's the thing that I go, why'd you do that? That was just so unnecessary. You were going there anyway, but it's like you burnt the house down so they couldn't send you back to the house right. with a statement on the way out. So he was going to Los Angeles. They were going to Los Angeles. It was this ridiculous kabuki theater thing that they did in order to act like there was a real process. What I think, and, I, and it's tough here because I'm making a suggestion that I'm sure somebody could poke a hole in, but the right way to handle this thing the grand bargain, so to speak, wasn't an expansion team. The grand bargain was the Chargers. The grand bargain was the Chargers. San Diego wasn't going to get a new stadium there. St. Louis was, it wasn't St. Louis's fault that Stan Kroenke was one of a handful of owners who A, could, and then B, and by could, I mean leave, and B, have the financial wherewithal to privately finance the building of a stadium in Los Angeles. It was the jackpot scenario for for the league. If one wants to say that the plan was always for the Rams to go back to Los Angeles, I would point to the existence of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans were supposed to be the Los Angeles expansion team, but they fucked it up in L.A. See, it's not just St. Louis that fucks it up. They fucked it up in L.A. And then the league's like, okay, well, I guess we'll go back to Houston. Huge city. big, Bigger than St. Louis. Huge city. They lost the Oilers years beforehand. Bunch of places have lost their teams. But guess what? They get them back. Yep. And in San Diego's case, they weren't doing anything. St. Louis was doing something. Yep. And, and St. Louis also, it wasn't because they're like, man, it just isn't working in St. Louis. It's because it's like, well, we got to say it isn't working in St. Louis because we got to justify the fact that the only guy who can get us back into Los Angeles is Stan Kroenke because he can privately do it. And they're not going to get any tax dollars in San Diego or Oakland. And we sure as hell don't want Mark Davis being the guy who brings us back to Los Angeles. And we don't want the Raider brand in Los Angeles competing with the Rams. So this is how we have to orchestrate it. And it was all bullshit. 
And that is my core issue with it. But from a business standpoint, if I take out my emotion on St. Louis, it's a no-brainer business move. Right. And that's why in 2012, 13, 14, and 15, we kept saying on TMA, you're being told by some people that you have nothing to worry about, and we're telling you this makes all the sense in the world. He can do it, and he's going to do it. That is my, my, when we talk about this topic, that is my core issue. It didn't have to go down this way. So why are the Chargers the solution? The Chargers weren't going to be able to stay there. They had expired. Dean Spanos had been trying to get a stadium built there for years, close to decades, for years. So that wasn't going to happen. Plus, you have a Spanos, Spanos situation of infighting. And to me, the solution, again, now you're, at, you're, you're forcing somebody to sell, although I swear to you, I think that's what's going on with Dan Snyder in Washington. It's like every month there's something new with him. Right. Try to get him out. I'm telling you there's something going on there. <laughs> uh, I have very little interest in the Washington commanders, mm. but uh, if I did, I'd look at that, and if I were in Washington, I'd be going, Is it, people not see what's going on here? I mean, <laughs> there's such a clear house of cards effort to get this guy to sell. I can't wait to see who buys them because then I'll go, that's the guy who the whole time was orchestrating this. Yep. So with that all said, there's some there was an effort to get him out. You can't make somebody sell their business, but in Spanos's case, that to me would have been the solution. Now San Diego is without a football team. I understand that, but San Diego had been given chance after chance after chance after chance, and St. Louis actually did put something together. And in this case, yeah, I get it. Stan Kroenke's going. I can build it. I have the the right to leave. I'm going to leave. And had they said that, had they gone about it that way, I'd, I listen. Nobody and say I can't. I can't do revisionist history and go. People would have been on board with Stan at the time. Mm-hmm. They would have been mad as hell because it's essentially what Bill Bidwell did. Bill Bidwell was saying we're going to go. Yeah. It's not. Like, and he's viewed as a villain. Uh, Bill Bidwell, I don't think wanted to go, but they wouldn't put a stadium on the table for him. Here, St. Louis did, but it was all this. We're not going to meet because we're, we we don't have to meet. And St. Louis was going, okay, well, there's nothing that we can do here, and this guy's going to go, so fuck it. We're going to put a stadium together, whether it's real or not, so then that way we can litigate. So, Or we can keep them and we can get another franchise, whatever the case might be. And so from my standpoint, that is the thing on this. So you're like, okay, we don't want to have a 33rd team. Fine. You got a 32nd team in San Diego that doesn't have a home. Now they're the bastard stepchildren in Los Angeles. It's only going to get worse if the Rams actually win the Super Bowl. That, to me, was the solution. To go about it in a different way, it didn't need to be covert. The covert nature, the attempt at being slimy, is what cost them $790 million. So... I don't, I don't think a 30 for 30 or me just doing a podcast doing this, I mean, I can do this all day long because I lived it and I talked to people. And, you know, Mel, Kevin Falconer, the, the mayor of San Diego, was miking him up to interview him. And he goes, how are you? What are you up to? And I said, I just got down from Los Angeles. And he goes, oh, how's L.A.? I said, I met with the mayor in Carson, and they took me around the Carson Stadium site. And I get the sense that Carson's uh, not real. And he goes, and he's just kind of, he mumbles to himself. He goes, I trust your instincts on that one. And I'm going, and this is the mayor of San Diego. Right. This really happened. Hell, I might have it on tape still. It really happened. Um, that doesn't mean that was like some, he's just like, this is, it's all bullshit. Right. It was going to be Inglewood. It was going to be the Rams. It was just a matter of how they went about doing it. And it was supposed to be easy, but then St. Louis built the stadium. Right. Or at least back. the stadium proposal. And then it fucked everything up for them. Yeah. That is the core issue on this thing. And so as opposed to going, listen, we can go. Your city did this. Your your attorneys did this. We gave you the chance. You lost the arbitration. Here's what you can do if you want to keep us. If not, we are going to go. I don't know why they didn't do that. I would love to hear that answer. And I, I, I really would. I would sit down and, I mean, I'm certainly he, on cloud nine. I'll text Demoff next week and see if I can get him on and have a conversation. Now all this is over. And that's the question I would ask. Why go about it the way that you went about it? What did that accomplish? And I guess you could say we got as much ticket revenue as we could, or you could say, well, we didn't know. Ah, I, I yeah. would say I know that's not true, but with a great degree of confidence, I would tell you that's not true. Right. Now, I'm putting words in his mouth on this thing. If 
But I mean, he lied to me. He was on with me. Then there's no secret plan. Came in an interview with me. He said plenty of shit down the hallway to Randy Carricker and to Marco oh, yeah. Far. I mean, didn't he say that the land... stands looking for land all over the uh, right, world, and I can Walmart tell you none of it's land. for a none of it's for a stadium. Yeah, and then just... where there was now, Stan didn't. He no. didn't lie. He didn't, he didn't talk, say anything. Yeah, but that he, was the whole thing. If you don't say anything, you can't lie. So I'm just like, okay, what are you guys doing? Right. What was the point? What was the point of all of that? And the adios, motherfuckers letter, the AMF yeah. letter. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. I'd love, I would love to hear the reasoning. So if the NFL, but the, the whole the narrative is, is St. Louis had lost two NFL teams, and it's a dying city, and therefore, why would we put an NFL team there? Okay. I mean, Cleveland lost a franchise. It lost the Rams, and then it lost the Browns. But it's a great NFL city. I don't think anybody would go Cleveland. You know, Cleveland and Austin and Nashville, one and the same. You know, right. Cleveland and St. Louis have some things in common. But St. Louis was the victim of circumstance. Now, St. Louis was the victim of its own cause with the top-tier clause, okay? But St. Louis was the victim of circumstance in that, A, the top-tier clause allowed Kroenke to leave, and, B, he had money that Spanos and Davis don't have, and therefore he could privately fund the building. And that essentially is it. That is it. But the narrative, in order to justify the scum that went on, was St. Louis is a shithole. St. Louis already lost a team. Nobody's supporting this team, even though they put a dreadful product on the field. And, you know, if anybody's going to move to St. Louis, their business is going to be a disaster because St. Louis can't support three franchises. And so St. Louis got shit on out the door. Right. That's the core. So when somebody goes, why are you guys still holding the grudge over? Well, here, here's the reason. I know nobody wants to hear it because it's like, well, the Rams, you know, went to where they belonged. They're playing in the best stadium in the NFL now, and their team is in the Super Bowl. So all's right that ends right. But the issue is it's wrong, and that is what gets me worked up about it. Uh, all right, uh, let me talk about Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganess, stlouisaccura.com, altontoyota.com. That is where I go to get my cars. That's where I recommend you go to get yours. stlouisaccura.com, altontoyota.com. It's Munganess. And if you want a direct contact to the great Jamie Burkhardt or Clayton Patterson, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com, and I will connect you. And even if you didn't get your car at Munganess, I am more than happy to recommend the following. Get your car serviced at Munganess. You don't need to get your car from Munganess to get your car taken care of at Munganess. It's stlouisaccura.com. It's altontoyota.com, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. It is Munganess, St. Louis Acura.com, and AltonToyota.com. Jackson, could you tell the people about the great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies? Be more than happy to because I love talking Mark Hanna because Mark Hanna has done so much for me personally. I mean, seriously, I was in a position where I was making some money and I wanted to save up, uh, you know, not just throw money into a savings account. I wanted to have my money work for me. And so I got on the phone with Mark Hanna. We had a great talk about life. That's how we started yeah, talking. Yeah, that's how he does it, man. We You're started right. talking about life. And from there, he he learned more about me than if we did a straight-up finance talk. And then we talked about well, you know, what my goals were financially and what my situation is, expenses and all that. And from there, he taught me exactly what I should do with my money. But he let, he let it up to me to make that choice. And I thought that was awesome because he educated me. I like to be taught. I don't like to be told. And so Mark Hanna is the best man and then, you know, I get on the phone with him every six months or so, you know, outside of TMA. And we'll just talk about life, man. We'll talk about what our goals are. And then from there, he says, all right, well, let's change this. Let's change that. Let's put some money here. And then you're just in good shape. And you know that you're in good hands with Mark Hanna because he's so intelligent yep. and he's such a good guy. So if you don't have a plan, if you're like me and you just, you know, thought, you know, I'll throw some money into a savings account or I'll deal with it later. Bad idea. Bad idea. A good idea is calling Mark Hanna and calling him toot sweet. Get, like that suite. get in touch with Mark Hanna. If you already have someone, you might want consider making the switch because Mark really is the best. He is uh, at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. All right, final question for questions Ooh. from the audience. Always send them in, just like Deebs does. Right. Deebs is firing them off. It's a star. He's on a hot streak. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Anything and everything. We haven't had an erotic story since we've been at Hubbard, and I need to be able to read a real nice erotic story. Yeah, Deebs usually comes through with the erotic stories. Well, he's, but he's, he's the lady that was oh, yeah. for the... on 40 and Van Eventer, <laughs> yeah. panhandler. Uh, Tim, how about this one for the cherry on top? Uh, with this week's conversation about the absolute insanity of the American political system, I wondered if you've ever considered a move outside of the United States. I contemplate it occasionally, but can't get over the thought of leaving all of my family, in-laws, and friends behind. 
Can't help thinking that moving to a country more politically aligned with my ideals would be easier than participating in the constant fighting of the two United States political parties, hoping one will eventually fight for the American people. That's from Nate. I have to tell you, the answer to the question, the short answer is no, never has crossed my mind. It just never has crossed my mind. Um, I can't imagine it's yes for you, Jackson, but maybe it has. Uh, I mean, the, everyone's thought of like, what would it be like to live in a different country? Yeah, but like never... seriously. Oh, no. But I would, I would. I think about Florida, which I'm very open. Right. And, uh, which sometimes feels like a different, another country. It's um, it's not something as far as moving to another country, though. I've, I've, I've and, and my, let me make it clear. I, you know, the political situation is. Listen, I hope I'm. I hope I'm wrong. I feel like we are headed towards disaster. And this isn't. This isn't a podcast. It's about politics. Nor is it really anything I do in my career. It's just unfortunately, it's what I don't know how it's not <laughs> because you have a portion of the population that believes one thing, and then anybody who says otherwise uh, is therefore lying to them. And then you have the exact set of circumstances with another portion of the population. Then I think you have a growing number of people who are kind of tuning out, and I would fall into that category. Yeah, I was too. as engaged as can be, and I've just found my life is more pleasant. I'm I'm completely I don't want to say I'm completely unaware, um, but I am I'm really detached yeah. on politics now. And as I've said before on the podcast, January sixth was my. January 6th wasn't the moment. January 6th was the moment that I thought it was going to be the low point and I thought it was going to get better. And then it was like a couple of months of realizing, holy shit, it's not. And now there are people kind of reverse engineering what took place that day. I'm like, okay, that'll do it. Because yeah. the, the, if, if, if we can't have a conversation about that, then what can we possibly have a conversation about? So it's... Um, I don't know if I would say I don't I don't know what the right word for it is. It's it's a happier existence, but it's not like I'm oblivious to what I feel like is coming. And so in a way, it's like the movie Don't Look Up mm. and I'm at the table with DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence having right. dinner, even though we're all aware that the the comet is coming. Right. Um that's that's that that's how I feel like I'm going to enjoy it. I now have a, a, another child. I have a four-year-old, I have a wife, and pictures pop up in my timeline from, hey, you have a memory from this time last year, and it's me and my family in in Jupiter, Florida, and we are just happy, just happy. It's like, that's kind of what it's all about. Right. The life's too short to be engaging in such... Arguing with strangers on social media who are arguing, and it might not even be real anyway. Right. And then they're not using their real names, and it's... you know, and I might be wrong. Fuck, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Right. I know but, that you can't say that, but I I might be wrong. Right. So I don't know. No, I don't I, know. I, and, I, and therefore, I'm just like I can't. You know, I thought I thought January sixth, the population like ninety five percent would go okay. Holy shit! Look what we've become. And instead, we're actually arguing about the severity of it. And go, okay, that's it. That's it. You got me. You win. Yeah. I tap out. I can't. I can't keep going. Right. But. Uh, I'm not of the opinion that things are going to just be good because I'm not paying attention to them. I just think I, I don't know what can possibly fix it. And um, in reality, I, I suppose this is my mindset. I think we will just be living with COVID uh, for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what that is. But well, I just think that's. I think that's the way that it is. I. You know, you talk about, I mean, I remember having a conversation, perhaps on this podcast, you certainly wouldn't have been a part of it because March, maybe April of 2020, maybe May, and talking about baseball coming back. And somebody emailed in for QFTA. When do you think it'll be back? And I said, God, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, long time ago, this person like, you don't think it'll be back by mid-June? I'm going, brother, this thing isn't, yeah, isn't no, close isn't. to over. But if you would have told me as we were approaching, essentially, I think most people consider March 2020 the start of it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, two years. Yeah, yeah. Two years of it, yeah, and it's on. not like no, it hasn't it, gone away. But it's it's just it's it's just going to keep popping up. Well, yeah, and I think I think eventually, once we develop the antiviral pill, is one way that they're going to lower the mortality rate of COVID. And once we get there, then it becomes right. Then and it, it becomes like influenza. So you, so you have you have um, uh, you have you have that, and there's that. Yeah, and ideally, it just is like you said. Influenza, right? Um, and I was reading an article this weekend. 
Uh, I saw Timmy recaps posted it to the fan page. It's, it would fall under the category of pack a lunch for the the, the read. Um, clearly didn't gain much traction because I'm still scrolling to find it. Uh, someone probably smoked some meat or complained about Iggy's breathing. Uh, time, so. God almighty. Um, From what I've read, a good way to track what like America will be doing is kind of what England has done because they're kind of a little in front of us with Omicron developing from there. So what they're doing now is kind of a signal of what we're doing. But with the increased vaccination rate and hopefully uh, a couple methods to decrease the mortality rate, we will be uh, it will be less of a will still always be there. But it'll be less of it won't be at the front of your mind. That's the hope, I right. think, is that we eventually learn to live with it. You get a vaccine every six to eight months, just like you do the flu shot, and there's that. And then you continue on with your life. And if you get it, you stay home for a couple of days. Uh, which is funny as we kind of come full circle on this. Do you remember the name Michael Osterholm? Osterholm. Osterholm. Nurse. Mm-hmm. You weren't a part of the show at the time. No. That was the moment on TMA, in when that was before March twelfth, twenty twenty, which I which I believe is the NBA canceling games, yeah, and then it was this domino effect. Yeah. Um, the the only reason I was, I don't want to call hip to it, but the only reason I was aware, I it was a weird deal, Jackson, for about twenty four to forty eight hours. I felt like, well, I'll take it back to the don't look up analogy mm-hmm. which I realize not everybody has seen a movie where I was aware but but you don't know in that movie they knew the comet was coming so they saw it in this case I have somebody somebody who I know who I who is perhaps the wealthiest person I know I don't know um I don't know it's not a fucking dick tracing contest but the <laughs> point is he's a brilliant younger than me connected person um who uh, I was in Florida at the time. He was in Florida at the time. And he goes, hey, you might want to get out of here. And I'm going, well, fuck, I, I can't, I love being here. What are you right. talking about? And he told me what was going on. And I remember either showing my wife or, you know, because her parents always live with us when we're down there, and going, what do we do here? I mean, we still had a few more weeks on our lease. And and I'm going, I mean, this, is, this isn't like, you know, a, a dog avatar DMing me on Twitter. I mean, this right. is a guy I know. Right. I've met with him a bunch of times, talked about doing some business together. This is a sharp guy. Yeah. And he's going, it's about to, you have, it's just about to turn into something we've never seen before. And he was connected in tech and, and medicine. And I'm going, I mean, shit. This is a, so it's a weird thing. So I'm aware of it, not because of me being involved in tech or medicine, but because a guy who I, you know, and he knows, you know, we're down there and family situation. And his thought process was they might shut down travel, which it yeah. did. Right. And so you don't want to get stuck here. I know you have at the time two-year-old. Um, so I just want to I just want to bring it to your attention. He goes, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And so that's how I – and I think that was like on the – and Mazalek did a press conference at the ballpark on Saturday. And he started it. This is – kind of a 30 for 30 mini here I still have it on my phone it's it's like looking at a different time it's it's kind of like looking at like I was in Philadelphia on September 10th and I had friends who September 10th of September 11th oh, I'm not talking okay and the Rams played the Eagles a preview of what was the NFC championship uh later in that year to open up the season at the vet the vet was still around yeah and, and they won in overtime and I have friends who lived in New York, and it's a relatively short drive. And I'm like, God, I'm up in Philadelphia. I'm not yeah. going to hang out in Philadelphia. Maybe I'll go to New York and visit my buddies Saturday night, and then I'll come back down to Philadelphia for the game for television. And it's like thinking about flying to and from Philadelphia for that game. I didn't wind up going to New York, by the way. I flew out from Philadelphia to St. Louis on September 10th. And, like, how different the world is right. on September 10th. Yeah. And then all points before. It's oh, like yeah. AD and BC. For sure. Well, thinking about when I see this press conference, I'm holding my phone of Mazalok, and we're asking about, God, I can't even remember what the fucking guy's name was. He was a utility guy. He's with the Red Sox Jed now. Jericho? No. Um, his name was weird to pronounce because we mispronounce it all the time. Ah, oh, God, he left the Cardinals just randomly, but he played all the positions. It sucks. Um, 
Titan. Oh, yeah, I know you can't do it because then it shuts the podcast. <laughs> it does, yeah. 2019 Cardinal postseason roster. Is it Munoz? Gyro Munoz. Gyro Munoz. Okay. So that, he just left. Oh, I remember that. He, yeah, he completely just left. Bolted. Right. And everyone was so confused on what was going on. So everybody was waiting to talk about that. And the Mazelak starts. He goes, before we get underway. And he starts talking about, and this is on uh, this is on Saturday, so the 12th, 11th, 10th, 9th, 8th. This is probably the 7th of March. Okay. So it's not like this is the 7th of January. Yeah. This is five days before. Right. And he starts off with like this COVID update, but what was called the coronavirus at the yeah. time. Yeah, And he kind of goes for a couple minutes and we're all kind of like, and it's, it's going to impact, we're not going to sign a, a autographs. And people like bitching about that when I posted the, the video on Twitter and on Facebook. And people are bitching about that. And then he goes into Munoz, and then nobody talks about the coronavirus thing, as again, called the coronavirus. And then on the 12th, so in between Mazalok's press conference, so we're aware of it. And I remember seeing on the news, you know, the global health is calling it now a pandemic. And it was all going on. And I went to the Honda Classic, which I think was that that Sunday. I yeah. went to that. Great Sung J.M. defeating Tommy Fleetwood when he went in the water in 18. Hanging out with people. Four days later, they're in the first round of the Players' Championship. Hideki Matsuyama has a great round. He's leading. They decide to shut it down after that round. Yep. Baseball shut down. Basketball, the first one to shut it down. Really NHL, okay. everything's done. Everything's yeah. done. Well, I mean, you have those five or six days in between when everything is, it's like happening, but we're kind of in denial of it. Right. And that that was the period I was in. So I was aware of it. So with regards to where it's going to be, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my God, well, how are we going to handle you know, COVID going forward? It's just like I think we're just going to have to accept that it is here. But Michael Osterholm was the guy who was on Joe Rogan, ironically, considering <laughs> this is true. And I know some of you listening know exactly what I'm talking about because you listen to everything on TMA. And I read, right, we maybe we played some of his interview on Rogan. Uh-huh. And it was in March of 2020. Yeah. Again, I don't know if I'm using ironic correctly here, but how ironic, considering what's been going on with Rogan and Spotify oh, and yeah. COVID, yeah. that Rogan's interview with Osterholm... It was kind of uh, like the news-breaking moment. That was the moment yeah. for a lot of people on our show, and that was pre-the politiza- politicization of COVID. Right. Because we spent a couple of weeks in March talking about COVID almost daily, because what else are we going to talk yeah, about? there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. And we had good conversations about it. For and sure. then at the end of March, it became what it is now, this political topic. I don't mm-hmm. know what happened. I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure we can probably go and figure out what we think it happened. Right. But how it became, it went from like a conversation to, Argument. I have truly never received more intense hate mail in my career, a volume and also intensity than our discussions about COVID, probably at the end of March and April and May of 2020. It was, un, it was un, I was so surprised to the point that I'm just like, we're, we're done talking about it. Can't talk about it. It's fucking nuts. Right. So along those lines, that was the experience I had with that and what the show had with that. And Michael Osterholm was the one who said, taking it back, getting back on the road, this is something we're just going to have to learn to live with. You know, this isn't something that's going to be over in a couple of weeks. Right. We're in the top of the first inning with this. Right. Well, everything that he said <laughs> on Joe Rogan, by the way. Happened to be right. Now, he wasn't anti-vaxxing. There was no vax to talk about being anti or pro. For sure. He was just talking. He goes, this isn't something that's just going to go away. Right. It's it's something we're going to have to learn to live with. And the way that you manage a pandemic is at the end of it, you want everybody to say, oh, my God, you overreacted. The last thing you want people to say is you underreacted because there won't be a lot of people around to say you underreacted. Exactly. You want people to say you over. I remember I remember these things from March 2020. I remember the hate mail and I remember the Osterholm interview. So along those lines, taking it now to the future, I feel like I will look at some of the things that I have either read or I have listened to regarding what I think will be the disaster, which will be 2024. Um, and potentially January 2025, and just go, well, we knew it was coming. Right. You know? Right. But I don't, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do about it. No, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing no individual can do, but it's just, and I think being not ignorant to things, but here's how I equate it. You know, used to be, especially for you probably, used to be watching the game from a good seat, watching the political game from a good seat. Now you're in the nosebleeds, or you're in standing room only with your back turned. 
talking with your friends because that's more enjoyable. Yeah, you know, yeah. staring at the at the game, trying to figure out every move gets exhausting because especially when they're, they're nobody's playing by the rules. No so one's playing speak. by and and no one's playing by the same rules. No one's playing by the same rules. So being it's emotionally like, invested in professional wrestling. Right. Right. So exactly. I I can't. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I suppose we all know we're going to die, but there's some sense of denial. I hope, I mean, I'm, of all the things that I hope I'm going to be wrong about, I hope baseball is going to get it together. I don't think they will. I hope they will in time for spring training. At this point now, that seems almost mathematically impossible uh, for spring training to start on time. Um, I actually, I'm concerned baseball, not that they're on the same level of things. I think the baseball thing could be more severe than I think people are on to. But they're not on to it because people aren't paying attention. And on this, I don't know how many people are paying attention. Like, how do you, I remember spending a lot of 2020, and I know you listened to the show, so you may have heard me talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I would say to Doug, I go, can you picture Donald Trump conceding? Like, I'm talking about, like, on the night of the election, or even if you have an Al Gore, George W. Bush situation, can you, just in general, can you picture him Say not even wishing Joe Biden well, but acknowledging he lost. And that was at the centerpiece of the whole thing, which I said to him for months. And he goes, of course I can. I'm going, that's not because I'm anti-Trump and he's pro-Trump. That's just going, look at the man. Can you picture him doing that? I remember in in November of 2016 thinking that Hillary Clinton, who was like minus 1,200 to win that night. Right. Or maybe minus 2,000, something along those lines. I'm like, God, this is going to be so weird because one of Donald Trump's things has always been to never acknowledge he's lost. No, can't. So he's going to have to do that tonight, and that's going to be so fucking weird. Well, then sure enough, he wins. I'm like, oh. So then he, so that was my whole point. Well, now we see what's gone on over four right. years, and I'm going, if he doesn't acknowledge that he lost, hell's going to break loose. Hell's going to break loose. Right. So that wasn't me being hip to political policy and healthcare and foreign policy. Again, it's human behavior. Right. So I'm observing human behavior again. I'm going, this is going to be fucking chaos. Yeah. So the comet's coming. My whole thing back then was winter is coming, playing off Game of Thrones. Well, now the comet's coming. Again, I hope the comet doesn't come, but to me, I don't how doesn't the comet hit? How doesn't the comment, who do you want to be president in 2025? You could, I mean, I honestly don't even know who I would go with. And I'm talking about being inaugurated in 2025. It's not that far off because they'll start talking about the presidential election the moment after the midterms are over. And the midterms will be all hell breaking loose in that capacity. And then it'll be like, well, who's going to run for president? Wow, look at this person showing in this surprisingly red district. Or look at this person showing in this surprisingly blue district. And this person's kind of lining up as the anti-Trump, but Trump's still here. And then this person for the Democrats, there's no way in the world Joe Biden runs for a second term. I can't, I said that before he was even elected. I can't imagine that. And now Kamala Harris, I can't imagine that she would be the nominee. So then you go on the Democratic side. So you have in 2022... However many months away from what I think is the comet, who the hell's going to run? So have at it. I just, I feel like it's coming, and that's why I can't. I can't. I don't want to spend time on it because then I'll just be. It's, it's essentially just be like reading about death over and <laughs> over again. Right. Right. But I'm not going. Is, is what got us on this topic? This question this gentleman asked. Well, yeah. Uh, moving from the country. No, I'm that that has not. That is not, I mean, I've got a family and it's not something I'm interested in doing is picking up and I don't even know where the hell I would go, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and like I said, I just prefer to be in standing room only. I'm at the game, but I'm not, I'm not locked in because I don't think that there's any value in that. I think, you know, life's too short to be, like you said, arguing with people on social media. And I think I probably have a little bit more optimism just because I think a, like a lot of people's bark are way worse than their bite. But then again, I, I saw people's bite on January 6th. I never thought I would ever see that in my lifetime where, I mean, that looked like a third world country would happen on January 6th. So. That's what I was thinking. I was watching. And it's, so, not, it's not representative of the majority no, of the Republican not. Party or, of no. course, therefore, the majority of the American population. But, you know, along those lines, um, I wouldn't say al-Qaeda is representative of the majority of Muslims. No. It, the, so, of, yeah, so all opposite. it takes are— Militias, right, which cause all hell to break loose, right, and so that's. I just, I have no idea. I mean, this is just, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, it will be wonderful if we can play this back in November 2024 and go, well, you were wrong as hell, yeah. you know. God Almighty, I want it. Pop the champagne if that's the oh, case. Oh, be, but I, I just don't know how it doesn't happen. But maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. Maybe the maybe the Republican Party is moving away from Donald Trump, and I guess. Santis is 
trying to line himself up as an option and lining himself against Trump. And Ann Coulter is now condemning Donald Trump. So maybe it's happening. I don't yeah. know. Um, but I just, I'm like, this is going to be, <laughs> I just feel like it's going to be chaos. And so, so no matter what, and by the way, this isn't me going, it will be the Trump people. That's what my whole point was about winter is coming. If Trump wins, people who voted against him, because I don't think people are really voting for Joe Biden, will go, there's no way he really won. You can't, this can't possibly be, and they're going to be pissed off and all hell's going to break loose. And if Biden wins, the Trump people go, there's no fucking way he won. So there was no way around it. That was my premise. Like the easy way would have been Trump winning and Biden, who you know would have said, we wish him the best because that's what he would have done. Not right. because that makes him great, but that's the way that it's been done forever. Right. And gone on about. But then that would have meant you would have four more years of Donald Trump as president. So was that what you wanted, just to have an easy November, December, and January? Not me personally, too. Right. So that's that's what I get in, and that's what I'm just like. But, you know, at this moment, it's like, okay, the comet's still two and a half years away. Comet's coming. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I feel like Jennifer Lawrence when she realizes it's coming. <laughs> Panic ensues. And I we should just edit this it. whole part out because it's so fucking depressing. But, yeah. But it's, that, that's how I feel. Yeah. And that's why I don't, that's why I can't, because I just don't even want to pay attention to it. Because right. it's, it's just disingenuous. I'd ask people this. I would occasionally give people homework assignments on the podcast. Is there, I'm just talking about one, one politician who you feel like speaks honestly. One, one. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm asking people to email me, teamrecurrent at insidestl.com. I mean, for real, for real. Because right now it's so, that's what I talk about with, with shows that are about politics. That's why actually he's driving some people on the left up the wall, Bill Maher, because now I can, I can actually watch. I go, I don't know what the fuck he's going to say about this. Right. Uh, that's what I find to be refreshing. Somebody who is not beholden to any party giving their honest opinion. But you can't do that right now if you're in politics. So who would be the person where you would go, yeah, this person here. And I go, okay, well, where is that person standing? Could this person actually be in the mix? Could this person win the presidency? Because that is what's going to take. I think the Democrats are like, okay, we just need to find somebody who can possibly beat Donald Trump and also not destroy our down-ballot ticket, i.e. Bernie Sanders, because right. people are going, we're not going to vote for a Democratic Socialist, so Biden's our best chance because Buttigieg and Klobuchar can't win, so here's Joe Biden and Four years. Right. And he had one up, job. That'll wrap it up. Yes. He had one job. That's exactly right. So along those lines, I ask that question because to me at this moment, I'm like, oh, God, are we really going to do this? And then, you know, then the whole side has to has to own every single thing this person has ever done, including the dumb shit they've said over the time, you know, and the criminal shit or whatever. Uh, that's the question. That's the thing. I just can't buy in. Can't buy in. So that's where I've gotten. Uh, T. McKernan, Inside STL.com. Maybe it'll, maybe I will be introduced to 20 people, and we'll all be now have some optimism. Yeah. Maybe, I'll, maybe that'll be the case. T. McKernan, Inside STL.com. All right, that's going to wrap up the Tim McKernan Show for this week. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you to Ryan Kelly and TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency at CarltonInsurance.net. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at EvergreenSTL.com. And thank you to Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganass, St. Louis, Acura.com and AltonToyota.com. This has been the Tim McKernan Show on the TMA STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.